Hi, and welcome to the Abundantly Free podcast. Join three friends discussing the nitty gritty of being a disciple of Jesus. Hi, I'm Amy. Hello, I'm Monique. And I'm Zoe. And today we're going to be sharing how knowing God's eternal promise for us affects our identity in the here and now and how we can live being secure in who we are in Christ. Wherever you're joining us from today, whether that's your sofa, on a walk or on your commute, you are so welcome. And stay tuned to the end and we'll be sharing a sneak peek of the next episode. So when we were thinking about the structure of this podcast, of this episode of the podcast, um, we really wanted to speak about identity, but obviously it's such a big topic. We were like, okay, how's a way that we can narrow it down and try and think through in a bit of a structure? And I've been reading this book called um, The Practice of Being with Jesus by Chris Kruz. Um, And in it, he had this really beautiful um, quote in it and the way that he structured some of the like temptations that we believe about ourselves um, and ones that Jesus also struggled with. And he says, by believing what God says of me and his identity, I can be secure in knowing who I am in him. And therefore, I can overcome the three main temptations that define us all. I am what I do. I am what others think of me and I am what I have and I think it's pretty accurate like we all struggle with all of these things at different levels and at different points in our lives Um, so today we're going to chat through some of these things that we struggled with and how um, God has shown us a way through them and still showing us a way through them because Mm. I think that's the key thing is that we're never done with them like they will always pop back up again in a slightly different way or at a slightly different level um, but it's about like how we turn back to God in those like circumstances and go, I can't do this on my own. I still believe this. Help me through it again. Mm. Say them again. Those are really key questions. I am what I do. I am what others think of me and I am what I have. Mm. Yeah, so good. It reminds me of um, these questions that I th- I'm sure it's backed up sociologically, but I'm just going to pick them out from my head. But as I work with teenagers, it's these questions that we're asking ourselves as we form identity, which is, um, who am I? What is my identity? Where do I belong? Like, who are my people? Where do I fit? And what is my purpose? Like, what am I made for? And like, how we answer these questions, I think ties into those ones, which is mm-hmm. interesting. But and the decisions we make and land on, it can just have such huge repercussions depending on what sh- le- we're letting shape us or not. Yeah. Mm. and it's so hard in an age where social media is defining everything and we have like at the click of a button what the ideal body should look like or the ideal career or like Mm. the timeline of your life and there's so much pressure in your 20s to like know who you are and know what you want to do and there are so many stories of people in their like 40s 50s and 60s who are finally like that's when their, their name was made for them that's when people understood and like knew them as a person like I was reading a quote today um on LinkedIn and it was like stop worrying about your 20s like Oprah was fired at 23 and someone was like why would they fire Oprah like (laughs) that is the worst decision they ever made but actually that was when she went on the journey of becoming Oprah Mm. the Oprah we know today and it wasn't until like much later in her life that she became who we know her to be today but at 23 that wasn't like they did not fire the Oprah we know today they fired like the the pre the younger younger version and I think that I know especially for me like every year I'm like oh there's a new pressure on what I should be doing this year or like the age that I've reached but at the same time I look back and go it's fine I didn't achieve it last year or it's fine that like my younger me didn't know I was like 
so unaware or um, naive or innocent in my outlook on life. And every year you get older and you're like, it's okay, it's okay. But mm. you always think like, oh, this is the year that has to happen. And then you look back and go like, why on earth did I put my pressure, like, pressure on myself? It's, it's a strange old world we live in, isn't it? Yeah. And that's why I think it's so important to walk with like people who are older than you and who've been through it and struggled with identity and finding purpose and mm. things or, or had you know second careers or second ministries and things like mm. um yeah I mean, it's funny because in your 20s 30 feels like the big milestone yeah. everyone <laughs> really feels like when you get to 30 life's over <laughs> and you should definitely have your purpose nailed down and I've just been saying to all my friends who are turning 30 like Jesus didn't even you know step into his ministry till he was 30 like yeah you don't yeah. have to have it sorted in your 20s for sure it's true but we're going to talk about how our faith has like affected how you answer those questions yeah mm-hmm. I think it's also worth saying, like, one of the other things that makes these difficult is that people in the church still struggle with them, and people who've yeah. been Christians a really long time still struggle with you them. You never arrived. Most you? of your role models, I'm sure, actually struggle with one of these, whether you know it or not. And mm. we're all human, and um, it's very easy to look at others and think they've got it sorted <laughs> in some yeah. of these areas or admire people's confidence. Mm. Yeah. So the first one is, I am what I do. Mm. And that's definitely something that. I've struggled with and still struggle with but more on a deeper level of of, am I even qualified to do what I do even though like in my brain I know that I am but it's still something that I struggle with and it's like a lie that I believe about myself that I'm not good enough but I still feel like I'm defined by what I do in that sense within my career Um, and it is it is a hard one because you know you go through education or you go for a through a training and you never quite feel like you're good enough even though like you know you've got the job they obviously clearly thought you were good enough um yeah there's just this I guess a fear of failure Mm. and of like looking bad in someone's eyes which I guess kind of ties into what others think of me I think they all intertwine so much and they're all so related um yeah but I think I, I am what I do you know, when someone asks you, like, who are you? Like, what do you do? <laughs> You're defined by that really mm. quickly. Mm. And, like, someone has this preconceived idea of what a job looks like and what that means for who you are as a person and your character. So, yeah, it definitely is a, a struggle of mine. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's why even when we, like, were working out how to introduce ourselves on the podcast, we initially started with job and then we were like, no, hang on. <laughs> Let's start with like how long we've been a Christian or something like that. Cause, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's so easy to, yeah, um, have it really simple. I don't know, for me, I think I've been quite mixed with this because growing up like in school and everything, I my parents were amazing in that they really instilled in me that I'm not defined by my grades, which mm. was great mm. and like a real gift. And I, it meant that, yeah, a lot of the conversations in school were were good because I was able to be like, no, we're really not defined by this. And that was really good. Um, but I think I found it more of a struggle in my work, to be honest. Um, and I mean, of course, you are measured by what you do to an extent. I think the hardest actually has been this in mission work because mm. the, the product of your work is not visible often. And failure, like, well, what looks like failure in the world's eyes can, can be success mm. in the kingdom eyes and that's been like the hardest thing I think the first two three years of doing mission work full-time was just a real battle with working out what failure and success mm. looked like and making peace it. with that and yeah how I measure my weeks and, and what I've done and um that was a big battle with my self-worth that's really good yeah, yeah. 
I think similar like working for a church it's it's very easy to our church is really great in that they actually in our contracts it says I think to always know that I am uh I'm loved and I'm enough and I'm in Christ and yet actually working you do I think I don't know maybe as responsibility increases actually a sort of pressure and perfectionism in ourselves increase because you're like oh I've come this far I need to keep delivering I can't like I don't want to coast and so actually we can put more pressure on ourselves and you have to keep going back daily to actually remember why am I doing what I'm doing is Mm -hmm. it for Mm -hmm. a sort of numerical success is it for the next uh you know promotion or whatever or actually do I feel called to this particular thing to help reorientate us but yeah 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 Yeah, I think like for me also it's been hard to find the balance I think because I grew up so much with the you know your grades don't define you Mm. um but then also making sure I have a work a good work ethic and like that I think one of Paul's letters says you know work as if working for the Lord in Mm. all things and be excellent and it is important to work hard and and to try and do well and and make fruit where you are we're designed to work and you know even in Genesis and designed to produce fruit and to to curate the garden of life and things mm-hmm. um but it is about that balance i mean we were talking uh, last week as well about the balance um between what was it resting in in the gift of god mm. but also working to build the kingdom and mm. yeah it's a tough one it is hard and it's definitely something that i've been working through with god for the last six nine months since starting this job and i've come to peace that you know my work doesn't define me but I know that God's called me into it and therefore the work that I'm doing is for his glory and therefore it's not for mine. And I think it kind of reflects back to when I was a kid, like my parents are like, you know, you're putting in the hard work, but God will give you what he wants you to be able to do. Like, you know, the grades that you do, that you do get are part of God's plan. So like put your hardest effort in, but know that no matter what happens in the outcome, it's part of God's plan. And so I think that's, something that I've been having to remind myself the last couple of months to be like yes I'm working really hard I'm working for God but it doesn't matter what the outcome is even though I'm as a person are quite like goal orientated and like you know I want to have my checklist and like get <laughs> things done but I know in the end like what happens and what comes out of my productivity is still part of God's plan um, and therefore like try not to hold myself so accountable to be like oh I've not managed to achieve this or at the level that I wanted and be like you know what God's got it I can just hand it back over to him because he will continue the work for me, which is like the weirdest thing to try and live out in a very like corporate worldly job Mm. (laughs) because it's not like I'm in a church and like all my colleagues around me can be like, yeah, we're all doing this for God. And it's like really obvious. I'm just little on me in the company on my own as a Christian. And I have to remind myself and go back to God like every day and be like, give me the confidence to work hard. Give me the direction. Give me what you want me to be saying today. But up in the end, it's up to you what happens. So, yeah, definitely I'm working through that identity of <laughs> I am what I do. I think sometimes what I do in my work is like an overflow of who I am. Mm. So the line can sometimes be quite blurred mm. as between who I am and what I do. Because, um, yeah, I'm lucky to say I really enjoy my work. But so I think that they cross over into um, I am what others think of me and yeah. receiving praise for your work is great and it's really hard I find it really hard I think because probably one of my love languages is words of affirmation I find it yeah, really hard same. not to go after the, the praise for what I do which mm. feeds into what others think of me and, and chasing that one yes um, so yeah we could we can crack on with that one now yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
definitely words of affirmation is also a love language of mine so I get that (laughs) it's really hard and like it's been crazy because I've been so doubting whether or not I was good enough at my job and then this week loads of different people like clients and other colleagues have been saying like you're doing such a great job we really enjoy working with you and like suddenly my confidence has been boosted and I'm like I must remember that this doesn't give define me you know like the words that they're saying great I'm glad that they're recognizing that I'm doing a good job but I need to go back to God and be like thank you Mm. but I know that my worth is in you and not Mm -hmm. in me and what Mm. I can do but it's like unconditional that you still love me you still have that identity in me it's so easy to rise and fall with the praise or criticism Mm. is it or just nothing you know when you just don't get any sort of update or thanks for a while (laughs) and then you're like ah well I I really wanted to share because I think this is probably the biggest one that I wrestled over with my identity and particularly linking it to comparison this quote I really loved and then I kind of edited it to like fit myself and actually how it's helped me with my faith but it's by a lady called Jenny Slate and for any parks and recreation fans out there she's um John Raffio's sister so she's an actress but she's quite a comedian as well and she wrote this little book and in this book she says this quote As the image of myself becomes sharper in my brain and more precious, I feel less afraid someone else will erase me by by denying me love. And for me, I kind of add to that, I feel less afraid someone else will erase me by them receiving love instead of me. Mm. And it's that sense of actually, the more the image of myself in Christ and what Jesus says of me and how God defines me becomes sharper and more precious and more true to me rather than just a kind of nice idea, the less um, jealous I get by someone else being the one who's like golden and shiny on whatever flavor of the month, the less uh, stuck I feel when actually, uh, I don't know, I, I feel like I haven't been appreciated for a while but you really just have to keep coming back to like who do you say I am and how can I not let myself be too affected by the praise or everyone else around me doing well because I think it's just so tempting particularly in our 20s is that we just we're looking around for what success looks like and actually you know the image of ourselves like who we really are needs to be sharper and more precious and when that is then I think we'll we'll be more content and we'll realize we actually have a baseline that means we don't need to worry so much (laughs) oh that's so good what a great quote because I think we do we feel that like a raising don't we like it's that sense of is I think it's a Nietzsche type philosophy is like there's a battle between power and it has to be them or us Mm. and if Amy is doing really well then that means that I am less than but what if both Amy and me were doing really well Mm. and that was fine because I'm secure I'm happy in my lane Amy's happy in her lane and then we're both secure well it's like our human instinct of survival of the fittest yes yeah. that kicks in but I think it's true and I mean even if we looked at it like if we looked at it with you know without all the emotions mm. <laughs> and the baggage like we have on one side what the god of the universe who created everything who put the stars in the sky says about you versus some random girl at school yes <laughs> we get so caught up in it. and I mean yeah. I know it's really easy to say that and it's totally not like that in real life but if we really were able to step back and yeah yeah it's a crazy thing that we toss up but you know what the tension is I think also in our culture we've become really good at like self-love and Jenny Slate isn't a Christian it's like you know love yourself know yourself Mm. but she's not Christian no no it's it's a completely non-Christian quote 
and Killer theology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's that sense of actually culture is really trying to hold on to love yourself, like you are enough, all this kind of stuff, mm. which we kind of say yes to, but actually it's quite vapid, it's quite meaningless unless it actually is rooted in Christ because mm. otherwise you start creating these idols of self. So there's tons of self-help books at the moment that are like, yeah, girl power, you are enough, like do this for yourself, like all this kind of good stuff that's getting put out there for women to find their voice and actually feel secure but I think it creates a culture where we stop being disciples and we just start saying me first yeah. uh, you know make sure I'm okay if I'm not feeling like church this week like oh it doesn't matter because I need to put myself first and you can see how it gets a little bit slippery so yeah. I'm always a little bit cautious with the whole self-love movement but yeah I, I don't know how that linked but but also on that on a similar to that um, it's important that we remind ourselves of our identity. But yes. I also think we have a duty to remind other people yes. and point it out. Mm. And that's why we're in community and we do mm. things yeah. together. <laughs> but like there have definitely been times where, I don't know, like I remember one of our worship leaders was singing and I just sensed God say, uh, you need to tell her that I really love her. And Aww. I was like, God, she knows that. She's a worship leader. That's yeah, like, she must it. know it. I'm like, come on, I'm not saying that. Let's not be ridiculous. But like, he literally wouldn't leave me alone the whole service. Anyway, went over to her and told her, I was like, God just really wants to say he loves you. <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, oh my goodness, this morning I just thought, oh, maybe I should just quit this or wow. Wow. just pack it all in. I just am done. And I, you know, and that was life changing. And I was like, oh wow, there I was, you know, <laughs> thinking it's a silly word. Yeah. And I think that's so true. Like a couple of years ago when I was doing um, a summer camp with some youth, um, there was this one girl and she was really struggling with, you know, am I unique? Do I have a faith? Like, why would God love me? What's even the point? And I was like, you know what? We're going to ask God mm. why he loves you. We're going to ask God what he sees as unique in you. Not just like what the Bible says about all of us and like that we're creating his image and, you know, that we're loved and we're chosen, but specifically you, why does God love you? And so I was like, this might sound really weird, but you're going to sit in silence for a few <laughs> minutes. I'm going to sit in silence for a few minutes and just write down whatever words come into mind. Like, it doesn't have to make sense. Just write it down. Mm. And the lists were almost identical. Wow. And at that point, she was like, wow, I am special. I am unique. God does speak to me. But she's like, when she wrote them down, she was like, these are so random. And I was like, no, but I have a story for that. This is why God loves you. This is why you're unique. And I think it is so powerful because I hope that that was a redefining point in her faith to be like, God knows me mm. like the God of the universe knows me and uniquely loves me because of these things in my character and the way that he made me and I think that's what I kind of want to challenge all the listeners as well is like go and have some time mm. to get a friend who's also Christian like pray for each other find out like why you're unique if you're struggling with that identity if mm. you don't know you know what makes you special and what makes you lovable by God like yeah. ask him and he will tell you of yes. course he wants to tell you like a father, a mother, like they want to tell you why they love you yeah. and like how God will, he will tell us. And let that image of yourself become more precious and sharp mm. in your mind. Mm. Such a good exercise. Yeah. Good one. Yeah. like that homework. I think also as well as the um, encouraging other people in their God-given identity, I think it's also important. I mean, for me, I've just definitely learned the lesson re relatively recently and still learning it of being really honest mm. with actually about who I am with mm. people and not you know having a facade of of trying to impress and um being a lot more vulnerable and it's been amazing like even in spaces where I've decided to try to be more vulnerable with where I'm at like it just unlocks so much more vulnerability yes. like we've seen it in our small group this year it's been amazing seeing people just be more open with where they're at and it was kind of the catalyst was 
few months ago during the lockdown, obviously we all spent a lot of time with <laughs> the people we live with. And uh, one of the one of the girls in my house, she was like, oh, Monique, it's really interesting living with you because you really present this this like persona where you really look like you've got everything together and you're super organized and everything. And um, basically, you know, it wasn't true. Like, you know, and I think that was so helpful to have someone close to you who you love and mm. you can trust, you know, and then mm. it's okay for them to say things that are mm. um, a bit hard hitting to tell me that. And yeah, I've tried to be <laughs> more honest and things because I don't want to be, yeah, a stumbling block for someone else who then thinks, oh, I don't have it together like Monique does when really Monique doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But she's just presenting this. And I thought that was really, um, really challenging. That's so true because mm. it lets people in. Yeah. And actually, I don't know. And it, it, it acknowledges the fact that we are finite. We are limited. Mm. We can't all be all things to all people. Yeah. We all can't be amazing at everything. And I don't know, I think that creates some space for other people because yeah. I can let you be, you know, that and I can be this. And mm -hmm. yeah, that's really good. Yeah. Yeah. I found that over the last um, year, years, <laughs> years really, that God's really been challenging me on to stop being selfish. Like you saying, you know, there's this culture of me first, self-love, self, 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 self. Mm. And to really go, you know, who am I? know who I am because you are created in my image. You are there to be a mirror to reflect me out to the world. Yeah. So, you know, the more you get to know me, the more you will be who I'm creating you to be. Mm -hmm. And I was so challenged by that. And so after the last, the last couple of years, I've been like really studying books of the Bible for months just to try and understand more of God's character. And I found it so humbling but also it's created so much peace in mm. my own identity because it's not like oh I don't have to be perfect because in God I'm perfect mm. and therefore I don't have to try and be like this perfect Christian that everyone expects you to be who isn't a Christian and like you know there's this stigma of Christians are all perfect and they're not broken but actually to to like reflects God God's heart for those who are also struggling which means showing that I'm also struggling or like I'm also not perfect. Mm. Um, and so that's that's been the biggest thing for me is to stop looking at myself to try and fix myself because I am broken. Yes. And stop looking to other people to try and fix me because they are also broken. But mm. to go to God and go, who are you? And what can I learn from who you are? Mm. And put that into action and put that into practice. That's so true. Because if in pursuing and wanting to get our identity solid does not bring us closer to Christ we're probably we're definitely missing something mm. like it, we cannot know who we are outside of him like mm. truly and so it will become just a vanity project if it's like i need to become my most authentic mm. self-love self if you're not becoming more christ-like yeah what, what are you doing mm. you know where are the fruits of the spirit yeah, yeah. like this all the whole discussion of you know what others think of us do you remember that max lucado book yes with the, the little stickers. wooden figurines yeah, yeah. and um I'll tell the story for the benefit of this. Please do. It's, <laughs> an excellent excellent it's such a good children's book. And it's basically about these little wooden figures. And there's a carpenter who sits up on the hill in a workshop and produces these figures. And they all walk around and they spend their days. They have a box of black circles and a box of gold stars. And they go around and stick black spots on people they don't like and gold stars on people they do like. And they stick to their, their wooden skins. So everyone walks around and some are really loved and some are really hated and some people collect extra black spots just for having black spots and it's all really awful. And then this girl appears and she just has no stickers on her and every time someone puts one on her, it just falls off. And um, it kind of, I think it, yeah, it references the fact that 
everyone wants to ca- not care what people think of them but mm. the problem is they do and the reason in the book why the stickers don't stick to her is because she goes every day up the hill to hang out with her maker the carpenter mm. and that actually yeah as we spend time with god who tells us who we are we can actually walk more and more in not caring what other people think of us and that's contagious and I've definitely seen that happen in my life like when in some areas of my life where I I have you know got past um caring loads about what other people think Mm. um people spot that and it's attractive and it it is is contagious and Mm. other people can then step into that freedom and that's really cool if you carry that yeah if you've worked this thing out with God you can then go and be a witness and it's it is cool when you can help other people step into freedom in in these areas and I don't know you might have similar stories or yeah I think the biggest thing is like it doesn't you don't have to have it all together Mm. you just have to be on the journey to be able to share that with other people there would have been other stuff in your life that you were still struggling with that they probably wouldn't have known about Mm -hmm. but there was still this one thing that you had got so like whatever it is that you are secure in your identity in let that shine Mm. you know let that be a light of who god is and like witness to his character because it is powerful like people will change and they'll see a difference in you and they'll go i want that too great let's go on the journey with god and he can help me and we can work together in this and Mm. we can like be a little team and and work through the different things that we struggle with yeah Yeah, absolutely and there'll be other people who carry you along in other areas of life as well and again why we need community and why we need to be disciples together you can't do it alone mm-hmm. no i am what i have mm. that really links to the eternal perspective because it again it's making you finite it's making you like life is only now you need everything mm. now you need your house you need your car you need your little dog you need the best wardrobe <laughs> obviously need the dog yeah. challenged <laughs> challenged me <laughs> rebuke i but need like, a dachshund yes <laughs> but it's that it's so finite isn't it and actually the eternal perspective maybe that helps us let go of my success is in what i can attain here mm. physically but it's very tricky when you see loads of people like I'm at the stage where I have a lot of friends who are buying houses and you're like, oh my gosh, I need to do that. I don't really want to or don't, I can't, but I feel this pressure. It's very strange, but mm. yeah. But yeah. actually in eternity, will I be sitting thinking, oh, I really wish I'd bought a house. Like, do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it always yeah. seems so petty. But I'll never forget, we had like a sermon at my old church. I used to have to get the tube there. Can you even imagine getting on a tube for church? But um, <laughs> we had this whole sermon about, you know, not storing up your treasures here and like making sure you're, you know, got them in heaven and all of that. It was great. But then I got on the tube and there was this advert literally right in front of me and it was like, invest in bricks and mortar. And I was like, well, it's not really selling it to me now. Yeah. You know? Now I've heard like, <laughs> that's so insecure. Why would I do that? Yeah. So. But it's the most secure thing on the planet. So that's yeah. what people think Sad clearly to think. I can Bricks see it so therefore fragile. it's safe it's the finite game mm. never Sad. win no but I think those intertwine so much because as you know you're saying like everyone's having houses buying houses and therefore you feel like you should do is that not coming from a place of what they think of me mm. Mm. and like oh <laughs> society says this so therefore I need to or I have enough money, so therefore I should be buying things rather yes. than like giving it away. Or you've even inquired of the Lord, like, yeah. Lord, what, I, what should I do with my resources? Mm. All of them. Yeah. 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 So I, yeah, I just think they're so intertwined and it, it is so hard mm. because, you know, we feel like we should, we should have stuff. But then at the same time, God says, 
you know, if I can feed the birds and provide everything that I like mm. they need, how much more does the father who loves you want to give to you as a person, um, as his, you know, image? So at the same time, I'm like, well, does it matter what I have? Because I have everything if I have God. Mm. Is a challenge every day of like, you know, should I buy this new thing? Maybe not. Is it loving for the cl- planet? maybe not <laughs> it's true and you know spiritual discipline is like frugality yeah. like actually saying no to stuff mm. i think it really does link to identity because i think me and my family made a little decision a few years ago that we really wanted to be generous we really wanted to be a generous family it was quite funny because my mum wrote it down a little piece of paper and she'd written down the phrase i'd like to be generous and like we just read it out and it made us all laugh because it seemed so simple mm. and yet actually the power in choosing generosity over acquiring stuff has really changed the way we interact as a family and how we bless other people and i guess it's become quite a core part of who i'm i feel god's calling me to be and who i want to be and therefore hopefully it helps you hold less onto the stuff yeah. and i think it's really important as 20s to like to I don't know think about do I have a practice of giving do mm. I have a practice mm. of tithing what does that say about me and my identity and what where I'm getting my security th- from with yeah. my resources yeah I think the generosity one interesting because when I was 18 I got a really generous gift from my my grandma and it was like really transformative mm. at like a formative time in my life mm. to um be blessed by someone's outrageous generosity yeah. and I think it really changed things for me because I was like I could see the effect it had in my life immediately. So then was just like, right, I want to make sure I'm yes. open with my resources and like and live generously. And it's um, it's so much freer. And I really do believe that everything you give, God always multiplies totally. and it's always come back. He is no man's debtor. Never had to go no. without. Exactly. Um, There's a real legacy there. Though I'd say I do really struggle with like materialism on a mm. more detailed level. Yeah. And I think mm. particularly the past few years living here in this quite wealthy part of West London, yeah. it's just it's a daily struggle yeah. you know to not be defined by my things or what yeah. I wear what I own the dogs I walk you know <laughs> <laughs> down to all the little details I think the the materialism is I find it really pervasive and, and, yeah, really, and everything's hard. shiny and I'm like a magpie mm. and all the charity shops around us be like oh but it's so cheap and it's going to charity so maybe I should yeah. in the way I'd be like no just give the money to charity you do not yeah. need more stuff mm. um I love that my dad taught us at a young age that you know if you want one thing in the house, two things got to leave the house. Mm. And it was a way for us to like constantly clear out stuff so that we weren't hoarding like billions of toys. Um, because in our church, we used to like donate stuff. So like we didn't really buy new toys, we just given stuff. So it was like, okay, if you want to receive something into the house, you want to give something away for other families to have. So mm. it was teaching that generosity, but also teaching like materialism is not a good thing yeah. and it will just weigh you down and yeah. it will not allow you to be free. And he always said like when he was in his 20s, you know, he could pack everything into a couple suitcases and like just travel the world. Yeah. Wow. And that was a challenge for me of like, can I do that? I'm like, well, I can chuck it into a bit of a big car <laughs> and travel the world. But, you know, it's not quite the same. Yeah. yeah. And see, that is really interesting because it's starting to link practices like the, the things I do, like my habits, my practices mm. actually are the overflow of the things I really value and are my identity. And mm. you can create little rules for yourself. Like I've got a little one I've been toying with is that I'll never resist a generous impulse. Like if I get mm. a generous thought and often you know you can get quite an outrageous generous thought and you can be like, no no I won't do that. But actually what if I just didn't resist it? And mm. what yeah. would that kind of I don't know, mm. it's like the 
I found it so effects. freeing. Yeah. Actually it's, just giving yeah, away yeah. what I thought like, oh, I should be saving for, you know, my future life. Might need a house at some point, you know, might at some point have kids and that's going to be really expensive. But to be like, nah, like, you know, we, we've been asking church to, you know, give generously for this project we're doing. And I was like, ah, oh, I have money. Mm. I want to give it. And I was just like shocked that that you thought even came in. And mm. I was like, oh, what I've been saving up, I'm just going to give it away. Well, and it yeah. felt so freeing to be like, I can do that. Mm. And that's a good thing. And I like, when I spend it on myself, it feels so selfish. Mm. But spending the same amount of money on like, to give it to someone else, like this fund at church, I'm like, whoa, I'm making a real difference here. And mm. it feels so like, it's empowering, but in a, a really freeing way, like, you know, God's like, yeah, this is, this is what you're here for, you know, to be generous and to give away time or money or skill set. And yeah, yeah it is. Yeah, it's I think the, the generous impulse thing is, um, is really good because I think, you know, I've received so many other people's generous impulses where people have done silly things for me. And <laughs> it's been amazing. Like, I think I have one story that really was life-changing moment. Um, I was a student and it was the end of the month. So I was at the end of my bank. <laughs> I think I literally had 15 pounds left in my <laughs> bank account. And I was walking along Tottenham Court Road and this homeless lady um, came up to me and asked for money. And I was like, no, no, I don't have any money. I need to go. And But she was like, she started to basically harass me. She was quite forceful. Wow. Anyway, ended up buying her an Oyster card with my final £15. Pounds, oh, wow. And I was so angry and so upset. Anyway, yeah. I walked the rest of Tottenham Court Road and I was just fuming with anger. And I was so hard-hearted about it and so angry and upset. And I got to the restaurant I was on my way to and was meeting a whole group of people. And there were about 10 of us. And after the dinner... I was still fuming inside. <laughs> the lady how can I pay me. for this? Well, yeah. And also just like, I was like, that lady was so mean yeah, that I yeah, gave her yeah. 15 pounds and that was all I had, which, you know, it wasn't really. I mean, yeah. you know, but you're a student and you're slightly Everything skinned. is precious. Anyway, the lady opposite me in front of the 10 people, she was like, I just really sensed from the Lord, Monique, that I need to buy your dinner tonight. And oh, the dinner wow. was 15 pounds. Oh. And I mean, actually, like, I didn't even think about the generosity. I more like was so, I felt so guilty instantly. I was like, oh my goodness, like, God's so good to me like mm. and he everything all my money's his anyway like he's given it to me I only had that 15 pound in my bank account yes. you know because he gave it to me I could have been that lady on Tottenham Court Road it's just a difference as to where I was born and which family yeah. I was born into and I was just really challenged and quite upset with myself then <laughs> but it's so amazing because God doesn't challenge you as like an angry yeah person you know he goes like he I challenges you so much yeah. Yeah. yeah it's like you know I can give you so much yeah. Are you going to do the same? But it's yes. always so hard hitting and you always feel so guilty because you're like, oh, thanks God for yeah. reminding me of that But it just felt like, it felt like, here, have it back if you're so upset <laughs> about losing the 15 pounds. Here you go, yeah. you know, it's just 15 quid. You know. I've got it. And um, yeah. That's so cool. Which again links to the fact that, you know, we are only stewards here. Like nothing mm. is ours because we've got a greater inheritance yeah. to come. Like we're yeah. going somewhere yeah. where actually our money will be no good. Like it's just, <laughs> he wants us mm. as people there, which is such a joy. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, this has been such a good conversation. This has yeah. been so lovely. Listen. Thanks for listening guys. And we'll share a quick sneak preview of the next episode. So hope to see you next week. Oh. I know, but then when you dropped the dating bomb, we, we both were like, no. what did you say? Sorry, I we came we back to it. We were going to talk about that. No, I, I know, but I put you on the spot. <laughs> you spoke beautifully. Don't know you. who might listen to this. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't say anything that would no. make anything super specific. 
and then that's the whole point of this. Really? Fishing her advice on dating. <laughs> <laughs> my mum will be like, you don't know what a boy is. <laughs> you don't know what a boy is. <laughs>